Welcome New Life Manitou. It's so good to be together. Would you all stand to your feet? Let's worship the Lord. Psalm 122 says, I was glad when they said, let us go to the house of the Lord. So let's worship the Lord in spirit and truth this morning as we sing to the God who's worthy of all of our praise. Amen. Amen. You know the joy of the Lord is our strength. Let's lift up that joy this morning. God who was, we worship the God who is, we worship the God who evermore will be. He opened the prison doors, he parted the raging sea. Our God, he holds the victory. There's joy in the house of the Lord, there's joy in the house of the Lord today, and we won't be quiet.
anything that's getting in the way between us and you, Lord, would you surface that this morning so that we can surrender it, Lord. Show us what it is so that we can put it on the altar and throw it down at your feet, Lord.
God is so good. God, we praise you. We say that you are worthy, Lord. We love you. We love your presence, Lord. We thank you. Well, New Life Manitou, this is today our seventh year anniversary. This is our birthday for being a church. And uh, this is the time where we normally talk about giving of our tithes and offerings. I just want to tell you a story. This story happened as we were launching seven years ago. We didn't know this girl yet. But seven years ago, a couple states away, there was this girl that uh, was going through a really hard time. Like uh, you could probably use the word trafficking or slavery. Her boyfriend was locking her up, abusing her. And she decided one day to just get out of there. She, she wanted freedom. She got into the car with just the clothes she was wearing and just started driving. She wasn't a Christian, but she was praying to the Lord and asking, God, would you get me somewhere safe? And from a couple states over, she ends up in Manitou Springs. She's living in her car. She's uh, pregnant. She's vulnerable. She's trying to find a work, trying to find a job. And she hears about something that our church launched uh, a couple years prior to that, which is Mary's Home. So when you give to, to New Life Church, when you give to Manitou, uh, part of our funding that comes in goes back out to programs in our city like Mary's Home. Mary's Home is this uh, homeless shelter and a program for women that are with children. And uh, it provides a very important place in our city because if you have kids, you can't just go to a shelter. They don't let kids into shelters. And so Mary's Home is this place where they have rooms available for women to stay and it's a program. So this woman applied as she's pregnant. She has the baby. She gets accepted into Mary's home and she becomes uh, one of these success stories of Mary's home. She becomes a believer. She goes to New Life North and if you've been in New Life North, it's a very big campus and the trauma that she had been through, she started coming to Manitou because we're smaller and we're just better. Let's, let's be honest. And you all, especially the women, seven years ago, the women invited her to a Bible study. The women in here invited her out to coffee and tea and began to mentor her, become friends with her, bring her into a community that was safe and holy. And you all, us as a church, this is one of the success stories. And we can, you know, organize religion. The world out there is like, oh, church is this and church is that and blah, blah, blah. Well, we have some good stories too. And we have this story where a woman was brought in and, and she was, she was, she was, delivered from, from a horrible situation and surrounded by the church. I want to tell you, this woman's doing great. She lives in another state now. She's doing great. She owns her own business. She's making like 70K a year. She's raising that son. She's doing, it's one of those stories of success from Mary's home and your giving. Let's, let's thank the Lord for that. Let's thank the Lord. So as you give, there's different ways to give uh, online. There's a box in the back, but we as a church we need to celebrate these stories. We need to thank the Lord that the Lord delivered her, this woman, and brought her into a community. And the Lord provided us, like we get to be a part of her story. So let's pray over this offering. Lord, as we give to you, to your kingdom, Lord, we say, receive these offerings. Would you receive these funds? And Lord, would you do with them other miracle stories like this? Lord, may we have another seven years, another 21 years, decades and decades of more stories of your provision on this earth. Your kingdom come, we pray, Lord. Your will be done in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit.
gathering your saints to worship before your throne today. We love you, we worship you, and it's in your name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, it's good to have you here together, Manitou. So good to be in the house of the Lord. At this time, the kids can be dismissed to go to their classes. The rest of you turn and greet one another. We'll be right back up here with the word in just a moment. Thank you. Good morning, New Life Manitou Springs. Oh, come on, happy birthday. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to us. Seven years ago this weekend, we launched officially weekly services on Sundays in this building. Before that, we were a monthly service. Anybody here during the monthly services? I see a couple hands. Where's uh, Justin in town today? And it's so good to see all the friendly old faces and new faces alike. All old faces. (laughs) To lighten up. It's a birthday. Uh, the title of today's sermon, let's just, let's just move right into the sermon, shall we? <laughs> title of today's sermon is, Do You Want to Get Well? So Jesus asked this question of a, of a man who has, was, could not walk for 38 years. He finds him at a pool and says, Do you want to get well? And I want to ask, ask you that question today. Uh, it'll, it'll just be a question between you and the Lord today. Uh, a metaphorical, a spiritual question. And it doesn't, some of you could apply this certainly to your physical bodies and wellness and health, but this could be and maybe should be applied in other areas as well. Spiritually, metaphorically, mentally, emotionally. Do you want to be well? Can I tell you a cute little story? So 
And nobody? No? You don't want a cute little story? Okay. Here's a cute little story. You're like, what are you going to do? Call us old again? No, no, no. Don't worry about that. Uh, so as a little boy, uh, I remember being sick. And my mom, who's here, she, would, she did a great job taking care of me. A good job, all the moms taking care of uh, little kids. And I just remember being sick and getting to watch television all day. Anybody remember being sick? Television all day. Uh, get to sit in bed all day. Uh, I had a, if I had a sore throat, I got to have ice cream. And my mom, she's the best. Uh, she knew, like, if you're sick, you can't really, like, you know, yell for help. Mom, I need something. So, do you, remember, you gave me, she gave me a little bell. My mom gave me a little bell by the side of my bed. And if I needed anything, I could ring the little bell and my mom would bring me some more ice cream. Like, how wonderful is that? And in, like, I really was sick. I wasn't, I don't ever remember faking being sick, but really being sick, but really liking the bell and the ice cream. And if someone was to, to come into my bedroom, me watching TV, laying there, ringing a bell and getting ice cream, and, and say, hey, Joe, we, we, got, uh, we got an antidote. You'll be, you'll be right as rain in five minutes. Do you want to get well? I mean, I was sick. I was running a fever. I was sick on the one hand, but on the other hand, that, that little bell and the ice cream. I really was sick and I really did get the ice cream. Do you want to be well? I don't know. And I'm speaking here as a list. This is a cute little story, but think about in your own life. Is there a situation? Is there a habit in your life? Is there uh, a dark region of your life that you know you're sick and you know in this region of your life, it's not a good place to be. You're, you know, you need to be well. But maybe there's a part of it that you enjoy. Do you know what I'm talking about? Is anybody here? I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but before the Lord, just you and the Lord, is there something in your life where if the Lord was to appear in that situation and ask you, do you want to get well, maybe you would have some hesitation. Am I just speaking to myself or am I preaching right now? Am I preaching? Say amen. Okay. Uh, let's turn to John chapter 5. Let's read this story. Would you stand with me? This is John chapter 5. I'm going to read uh, starting in verse 1. This is the story. Some of you already know it. It's the story of the man at the pool of Bethesda. And this is what it says. It says, Sometimes, sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem uh, for one of the Jewish festivals, so that the crowds, the, he's, he's in Jerusalem. And verse 2 says, Now there was in Jerusalem... Near the sheep gate, a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Sounds like a lovely place. There's a colonnade is like where you could have shade, and here's there's pools, and the Middle East is hot. Sounds like a lovely place, but there's more to the story here because verse 3 says, Here a great number of disabled people used to lie. And so imagine that, that scene, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed, Verse 5 says, one who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been there in this condition for a long time, he asked him, here's the question, here's the title of this sermon, do you want to get well? So I want, I want you to notice here, Jesus, even in a crowd, in this crowded area, Jesus sees an individual, and he goes to that individual, he sees you. And maybe he's asking you this morning, do you want to get well? And then the invalid, this, this guy, he says, sir, uh, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool 
when the water is stirred, while I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. There's more to this story, and we'll explain that, but Jesus is about to do a miracle. Jesus' miracles are uh, done in public as a demonstration. They are almost, all of them point to, they do, they point to him being God, him being the one who is, he is claiming to be. And thirdly, they, they help, they heal in some way. And so Jesus says to him three things, get up, pick up your mat, and walk. Get up, pick up, walk. And at once, verse 9 says, the man was cured, he picked up his mat, and he walked. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Lord, we know that you are here. You're in our midst. Lord, as we look at this ancient story of you appearing to someone who is sick and can't walk and asking them if they want to get well, Lord, may you ask us that question today. May we lean into your kingdom, into your ways. Lord, may, may we desire your work inside of us. May we desire truly to get well and right before you and in your eyes. Lord, you can make us that way. We love you. Lord, we praise you this morning. In your name, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and all God's people, shout it. Amen. 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 You may be seated. Uh, point number one of this sermon is this general statement. Sin brings misery, but God brings life. Sin, sin brings misery, but God brings life. Sin, it's, it, it, since the beginning of the sin entering the world, it's always brought misery. And God, always running after us, brings us his life. Let's look at this story of, of misery and this person who is suffering. And we'll look at how Jesus brings life. As we open up the scriptures, we see that this story place, takes place. Here's a little quiz for you. What story does it the city, what city does the story take place? <laughs> the correct answer is Jerusalem. It's Jerusalem. It says it in the, right in the text. And you guys are wild today. Whew. It's the birthday. Hey, we haven't even, we're going to have cupcakes later. I was going to wait to tell you, but we're going to have cupcakes later. So we're going to get you all sugared up and, and send you home. And you're going to even be more wild all afternoon. Um, but it was not Chicago, good guess though, uh, where this story takes place. It takes place in Jerusalem, and it's near a sheep gate is what this story says. And I've been there. Uh, I'll show a picture. I, I got to go. I had no idea that I was going there just a couple months before the whole world would be locked down and no one would be able to travel. Uh, this is uh, November 2019. I'm pointing to the sheep gate in Jerusalem. And just on the other side of this gate is the pools of Bethesda. And I was very very, very disappointed to know that the pools are all gone. They're all dried up. I don't know if it's geology or the water tables or what, but there was no water. It was just uh, kind of an archaeological site with, with like the, our tour guide was like, this is probably where the pools were. This is probably where the five colonnades were. And uh, we retold and talked about the story of what was happening here at this pool. Now, it's interesting. I'm going to give you a little nerd alert. Some of you know what's about to happen, but this will be your nerd alert. Uh, this is a nerd alert, nerd alert. <laughs> There's a verse missing. Did anyone raise your hand if you really noticed verse 4 was missing from what we just read? Anybody? A couple hands? People are like, wait, did we just go from verse 3 to verse 4? Uh, sorry. <laughs> 
It's moving right along. You know what I meant. Uh, did anyone, so a couple of people noticed there was a verse missing. In my Bible, the verse, uh, this particular Bible, the verse is there, and then there's a, there's a note down at the bottom. I have another Bible that has the verse missing uh, from the text, and then it's down at the footnotes, and, and then there's a note in my text about verse 4. And this is, this is something very fascinating to me, and I hope uh, I'm going to talk for like two minutes and hopefully encourage you about the Bible and its text um, but this is called textual criticism. I went to seminary, took a whole class on textual criticism. This is like really fun nerd stuff where we're trying to find the original text, the original of what John wrote down. And it seems that when people, tr- uh, people copy with their hands uh, on paper from one version to another, it's very rare, honestly, in the text of scripture that an error could be made. Maybe the uh, spelling error is made, or it's like, hey, now we, see, we actually spell this word differently, or in this language, this person's name is actually this, so I'm gonna go ahead and uh, make that note here in the text, and then maybe the note gets put into the text. Or in this circumstance, a whole verse seems to have been added And that's very unusual because usually these things are just like one or two little words or verses, uh, excuse me, one or two little words in a verse. This here is a whole verse that it seems as though someone has added as a note to the text talking about the angel stirring the water. That's where I'm going with this. So this story really doesn't make sense unless you know the background that an angel would stir the water. At least that's the mythology, that's the folklore. That was either a pagan belief or that was some sort of Jewish belief at the time of the ancient world. But it says, verse four, that's missing, that an angel would stir the water and then the first person to get into the pools after the water started bubbling or something would be healed. And whether they really were healed, whether someone did get healed one day, we don't know any more of the background of the story. We just know that this verse was added later. And this, I want you to know that in the manuscripts that we have, and we have thousands upon thousands of them, this is like a 0.00% of like the changes that happen. I think we have 25 something thousand manuscripts if you include the fragments and the other languages of of the Greek New Testament which is just crazy to say, oh, well, out of all those, we can try to find the original text out of these little, there's few little, not mistakes, but a few little additions or places where people spelled something different or in some cases made a mistake with the handwriting. Uh, but there are very few and far between. And this whole verse is one of the bigger ones. And it's very interesting that uh, it just kind of helps us explain like, oh, this was the backdrop uh, at the time of Jesus, that people believed in some sort of story where this, the water would get stirred and then people would get into the water and the first one there would get healed. And something, just as a side note, uh, we don't need to add to the word of God. I think that's where probably people got in trouble uh, trying to explain, trying to overly explain. I think sometimes we just need to read the word of God and stand back and observe the mystery happening in the text, and in us as we read it. Can I get an amen for that? Um, Moving along. So John, the author of this text, he has a kind of an interesting reoccurring uh, theological premise of trying to explain, or in some cases trying to not overly explain, why some people are sick or going through grief or, or are wounded or bad situations are happening to them 
And it's, this really is the problem of evil. Like, why do bad things happen to good people? I think about last week. Were you here last week? Do you remember who we talked about last week? We talked about the woman at the well. And I presented in that sermon that Jesus uh, presents to her her background. He said, you've been married five times, and the person you're with now is not your husband. And there's no ex- explanation as to how she got in that situation. I talked last week and said, whatever that, situ- whatever that deal was, to be married five times nowadays or in the ancient world, like what is that background? What is that story? This is a story of suffering and things just going wrong. We don't know if it was death. We don't know if it was divorce. It doesn't say in the text. And John really doesn't have a problem with that. He just goes right into the story saying that Jesus loved this woman. He said, I am the living water to her. He lifts her up. He sends her out to tell her so that she goes and tells the whole city. There was a pastor's joke, kind of a preacher's joke that I didn't say last week that I'll say this week that, that everyone came. So this woman goes out and says, come hear the man who told me everything I ever did. And everybody in the town comes out because they want to know what she did. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so, like, John is writing this story, and he doesn't, like, give the clues as to, like, what happened in that woman's story. In some ways, it doesn't matter to John. It certainly doesn't seem to matter to Jesus. He just cares for her. And it doesn't really matter in this story that what caused him being an invalid. And we don't know. He's been an invalid 38 years. Is he 38 years old? Is he older than that? What caused that? John goes right into this issue in chapter 9. We'll see it later in this series as we're preaching through it. That there's a man born blind. And his disciples say to Jesus, apparently loud enough for everyone, including the man, to hear, who sinned? Do you know the story? This man or his parents that he was born blind. Like they're trying to like blame. Like, like somebody must have sinned. People just aren't blind. And Jesus says, actually, no one sinned. This man is going to reveal the kingdom of God here in this situation. You know the book of Job? Anybody familiar with that book? Anybody read that whole book? That's a brutal one. That's a brutal book to get through. And it, it goes into a deep dive of the problem of evil. Basically what happens? Job undergoes these traumas, these tragedies. He loses his house, loses his kids. He loses everything. And his friends show up, and they are there for him, but they continually point out that Job must have done something wrong because this kind of stuff just doesn't happen. You must have done something wrong, Job. Like that's throughout the whole big book of Job. And then God shows up at the end. And guess what he says to the friends? You didn't do nothing wrong. I am the Lord, and I am sovereign. And what these friends of yours are telling you, Job, is is ridiculous. You didn't do anything wrong. So in life, some of you just need to hear this, there's things that we could certainly cause by our own sin or mistakes, and we we we, we could bring devastation on our own house, on our own heads, right? We all know this. But sometimes, who knows how many times, Bad things happen to good people, and still we say God is sovereign. And this this story is maybe one of those stories where, once again, we have no idea how this man became an invalid, but we just know Jesus shows up, he sees him, and he heals him. And ultimately, some of you need to hear this in this sermon right now, 
Ultimately, we will all be healed, either this side of heaven or the next. We will all receive new bodies. We will receive glorious healing. We will receive sight and be able to hear. Can someone say amen to that? Moving on in this sermon, let's uh, talk about this, this guy who's kind of trusting in this water bubbling up. Point two is this. God and his ways can be trusted for miraculous change. This is point two of this sermon. God and his ways can be trusted for miraculous change. This guy in the story here is, is trusting in this pool to be stirred up by some, we don't know if it's a mythology or just kind of a, a superstition, but the idea was the water would start bubbling or being stirred, and then the first one in would get healed, and he's trusting it. He's spent, I think about this guy, he's spending day and night by this pool waiting, and apparently he's seen it happen, and maybe he's even seen people healed, because Jesus asks him, do you want to get well? And he goes into this explanation of, I have no one to help me when the water's stirred and someone else gets in before me. I think his, his theology is kind of weird, uh, maybe even messed up, but this is what he's thinking. And he's, he's trusting in this superstitious angel stirring the waters so that he could be healed. And I just want to point out, maybe in this bigger story, I started off saying, do you want to get well? And I asked you, between just you and the Lord, to think about like the Lord showing up in some situation and asking you if you want to get well. And I think about us trusting in other things. I think about us trusting in God and maybe something else. Maybe we're trusting in some habit. Maybe we're trusting in some pattern. Maybe we're there's trusting in some addiction. Maybe there's a trust in, I don't know, I think about in this day and age as we are in a political cycle, Everyone can roll your eyes if you want. Like, oh gosh, he's not going to talk about politics, is he? Well, I'm not going to avoid talking about politics. We're, it's a very important part of church and our world and being a Christian. And um, I will say that I think some Christians, and I think we'll see this pattern grow even more as we approach an election, that Christians will trust in God and a party, a political candidate. And, and I hear Christians sometimes talk about, well, maybe it's okay if, you know, we, we, we bend the rules a little bit or we play dirty a little bit to get our way or our thing. Can I just tell you that as a pastor, I sincerely believe that we are not puppets to any political party. We are not pawns to any politician. Can someone say amen to that? That we need to vote. We need to vote our conscience. We need to preach truth. We need to preach what is good, and we need to do it in the way that Jesus would do it. We need to bring truth and grace and mercy into a very dark world. Amen? So what I'm saying now to kind of summarize this point is that we need to trust in the Lord and him only and not have these things on the side that we're also trusting in. I want to tell us that it's good to be surprised by God's grace. This guy seems to be totally surprised when Jesus comes to him and ask him if he wants to get well. And Jesus just says, hey, get up, pick up your mat, and walk. And he does. He gets up, he picks up his mat, and walks. And I'll invite you to read the rest of the story. There's some other details as well that are very interesting. But the very next verse, after he is healed, says this. John 5, verse 9, says, The day in which this story took place was the 
Sabbath. Are you supposed to do any work on the Sabbath or not? Not. You're not supposed to do any work on the Sabbath. And so the Jewish leaders, they see this miracle take place. These people are in charge, these, these religious leaders. Jewish leaders said to the man who had been healed, it's the Sabbath. The law forbids anyone to carry their mat on the Sabbath. I mean, shouldn't they be high-fiving this guy? Shouldn't they be chest-bumping this guy? He was an invalid for 38 years. And instead, what are they saying? Eh, you're not supposed to do it on this. I mean, what does it actually say? Some of you might know this. Does it actually say you're not allowed to carry your mat or your sleeping bag on the Sabbath in the Torah? No, it doesn't say that. It's actually pretty general. It says don't do any work. So this guy isn't renting a U-Haul and moving his house. Like they might have something to say about that. This guy is like rolling up his stuff and I just imagine it being like under one arm and he's praising the Lord because he has just been healed. And what do these jokers have to say? Ah, you shouldn't be doing this. This is the Sabbath. So, and so his response, verse 11 is, well, it's not my fault. The man who made me well said to me, pick up your mat and walk. It's not my fault. Someone else has healed me and they just told me, pick up this mat and walk. Can we be surprised by God's grace every once in a while? Like I think about this, the takeaway for, for me, like someone who's in the, you know, theology and I love being a pastor, it, this, this implication is for me. Like to someone comes up with this great story and it's like, wow, this is awesome. Can you believe God's grace? Can you believe this great story? And isn't it tempting for all of us to kind of like, well, you know, did that really happen that way? Aren't you, eh, you know, it's Sabbath. You're not supposed to be carrying your mat on the Sabbath. Can we be surprised by God's grace? I think about the, the seven years that we've been a church and continually being surprised by God's grace. This story was before we even launched. So before we launched a church on Sundays, we were a church that met here and there where we could. We met in the parks. We met in city hall. We met once a month. And we also had a Tuesday night prayer meeting. And uh, which, which, by the way, it was Tuesdays, right? Tuesday night prayer meetings. We have a once a month Tuesday night. Now that we've launched weekly services, we have a once a month Tuesday night prayer meeting. And it's this coming Tuesday. And we'll get together and we'll sing. It's a one-hour meeting. An extended time of worship, of praise, uh, but back in the day, before we had this building and we launched on Sundays, that's all we had as far as a weekly gathering. We would, we would gather together and we would pray. We would sing songs of worship. We would read scripture together. And there was this lady who came to one of the services and she had undergone uh, a horrible situation. Um, I'll say that a man had taken advantage of her and she was struggling through the, the guilt and shame that goes along with that. There was police reports and kits that she had to do. And that was uh, a couple months prior to us meeting her. And she was going through hell in her own mind and her own mental health. And so she would tell us that she came to that prayer meeting. She heard about a prayer meeting in Manitou. She lived downtown Manitou. And she heard about that prayer meeting. She came and she would tell us, I was, I was gonna try to get right before God. And then either that night or later that week, I was gonna take my own life. And she comes to this prayer meeting that we were at and stays afterwards. And me and someone else, uh, we're, just, we're just making conversation. And she basically tells us what had been going on in her life, that she was struggling with mental illness. And she was struggling with this trauma of this situation that had happened to her. And, and 
She didn't at that point say that she was about to take her life, but she, we could tell she was really struggling, and so we surrounded her in prayer. We kept, we invited her to, there was, once again, the women of this church had a Bible study. They invited her to that Bible study. Uh, some of the women uh, took her out, and, and as a pastor, I met with her and listened to her story, would pray for her at the end of every service. She kept coming back and getting prayer, and we would uh, visit her, and as she she went, um, she had a, a situation where by which she checked herself in. She knew that things were going down a horrible route, and she checked herself into a hospital. We went and we visited her. We called her. We saw amongst her her getting better, like the work of the Lord happening in her life. She devoted her life to Jesus. Fa- fast forward a couple months, and she gave her life to the Lord and got baptized. She was the first person that we ever baptized right here. Can we praise the Lord for that? Like that's stories of God's miraculous grace. Like, have you been surprised like that uh, of God's grace moving amongst us? God's grace moving in our own life? This last point, as I close, is, is quite simple. Point three is just ask for help. Ask for help. We live in Colorado, and we know we have four-wheel drive. We pull ourselves up by our bootstraps because they're our boots and our own hands and our own straps. That's how we pull ourselves up. We do it ourselves. And we're not the kind of people that, that ask for help, and I think that can sometimes be a very bad thing. Like, we're, we're too independent. Like, we don't want to ask for help. You know, this guy in this story, Jesus asked him, do you want to get well? And what does he say? His response isn't yes or no. His response is, I don't have anyone to help me. And it was just a reminder to me as I was preparing this message that we need to be encouraged. I need to encourage you. I need to encourage myself even to ask for help. Like there's something very important about this community. And here we are celebrating seven years. And I think the longer we know each other, the longer we are in community with one another, the more easy it is to ask for help and the more easy it is to, to look at someone and say, hey, do you need help? But we should be getting there sooner. I, I want to tell you that you can and you should ask for help. And this is the place to do it. And even if we don't have, if you come to me, and Joe, I need this, I need help in this, and, and I might not even have an answer, I might not have a solution I might not even know what to say, but I'm going to pray with you, and I'm going to seek the Lord. And and we might both stand at a distance and see some miracle take place before our very eyes. There was uh, up here at the front, like because we we usually do a like kind of a just a come to the altar to get prayer after a service, and many of you come forward and and, and do get prayer, and I want to encourage you. It's an open altar every Sunday. Like, come ask. I'm telling you, ask for help. So this this single mom came forward and asked for help. She said, can you pray for me? My car broke down this week, and um, and I have nowhere to get, you know, my kids to school. And and so can you just pray? I, I, and I was like, I don't, I don't have an extra car for you. Is this a couple years ago? And I, 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 I don't, I'm, I'm not sure what to say as a pastor. I'm going to pray for you. And so we even prayed for the car because I thought, you know, you could pray for someone's body and they 
body can get healed. Can you pray for a car and a car? I don't, I don't know how that works. And so <laughs> we prayed over her car, like, Lord, I'll help the car. It's broken down. And I really didn't, I was just kind of at a loss. of like, I, I wish I knew how to help in this situation, but I will pray for you. I will stand in agreement and pray and, and hope um, that, that God opens a door. And then like not five minutes later, uh, <laughs> This couple comes forward, and I've known them for a long time. In fact, uh, his name is Justin, and he's here today. I won't point him out. Uh, but Justin uh, <clears throat> came uh, up front with his wife and said, hey, we're going to be moving. They're going to be moving to Florida. Got a job in Florida. Got family down there. And uh, we got the truck all packed up. We got the moving truck all packed up. And if you, would you pray over us? Would just send us out? Bless us? It's, it's been, you know, it's our last Sunday here. He said, I would love to pray for you. And he said, and by the way, uh, we have a car. If, if you know of anybody that needs a car, uh, we, we need it till Thursday. And then they could just, have, it's, not a, it's not a new car, but he's a mechanic. And so it's, you know, he took really good care of it, but it's running and it's dependable. Do you know any, anybody that needs a car? And I was like, Get, get, get the girl, get the girl back, get her back up here. And like, go get her. And they like, went and got her and brought her back. And it was like, and then they said, and then you guys, and it was just like the weirdest thing that I, as a, like a, I wasn't even a participant. I was just like a spectator in God's hand moving among us. And it was just an encouragement to me. So like, I don't, as a pastor, I often, often hear people ask for help. And sometimes I don't know what to do other than to pray and to stand back and wait for God to do something like that in our midst. A good sermon. I said this last week. I'll say it again today. It's a, it's a quote I've heard before that a good sermon afflicts the comfortable and comforts the afflicted. And if you've come in here comfortable, I hope that this sermon has in some way afflicted you. Like if you're looking at your life, like maybe as I was as a little kid with the bell ringing it for ice cream, like not wondering if I even need to get well, if I want to get well, if, if you're comfortable coming in like that, I hope that this sermon has in some ways, in a holy way, afflicted you. And you've maybe realized that there's parts of your life that need healing. There's parts of your life that need wholeness. There's parts of your life that need to be redeemed. And maybe Jesus is coming into your life and saying, do you want to get well? And if you've come in here afflicted, if you've come in here knowing that you are like the man waiting by a pool for some bubbles to come out and then someone else races in ahead of you, like what a bizarre story. But if that's you, if you've come into this church, you're listening to this sermon and you're someone who, you, you, you know that the answer to the question, do you want to get well, is yes. I, I'm hoping, I'm praying, I'm asking. Well, then I pray that this sermon comforts you. I pray that you'll see Jesus seeing you like he saw this man in a crowd and asking you, do you want to get well, comforting you, bringing you restoration and peace and hope. Would you stand with me? I'm gonna invite the band to come forward. We're also gonna to come to the table to receive communion. So if you're, if you're a communion server, would you come forward as well to prepare the, the, the elements? You know, every week we, we come forward and we receive communion. And if you're new to this church, I see a couple new faces. Uh, you're invited to come. You don't need to be a member of this church. You only need to come to the table of Jesus to receive 
you believe in him, then you are invited to come and to receive. The communion servers will say Christ's body and blood for you. And they will give it to you. So this isn't a, like a help yourself buffet. That, that's kind of bizarre. It's okay to laugh, I guess. But that's not what it is. This is not pulling ourselves up by our own bootstraps with our own hands and our own boots. This is us coming before the Lord with absolutely nothing. And, and we're not coming to take, we're coming to receive. That's why we get up out of our seats. That's why we come through this room. That's why we walk it towards the center. We walk looking at the cross, empty-handed. And the elements, Christ's body and his blood, are given to you. We're not taking them, we're receiving them. We come before the Lord empty. We come before the Lord admitting, each and every one of us, that there's brokenness, that there's places in our lives that we're honest, they, they need to get well. They need to be healed. They need to be covered. And so we come before the Lord empty-handed to receive. So I invite you to do that. These are the gifts of God for the people of God. It's the body of Christ for the body of Christ. Let's come and let's receive.
take it out of the cup there and remember that Christ's body has been broken for you. And remember that this is an admission of we need, we need Christ's sustenance in our lives to live. So Lord, we remember your bread and we receive it. Thank you, Lord, for your body. Would you also take the cup? Remember that Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took a cup and said, this is a cup of a new covenant. Do this in remembrance of me. Take this. So we receive the cup. We receive Christ's forgiveness, his blood. Let's receive it together. So Lord, we're standing in awe of your your healing inside of our life, your life inside of our lives, your forgiveness, your power. Lord, would you make us whole, make us well. Lord, we look to you for salvation and life and hope. We pray this in your name, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And God's people said, amen. Would you leave for from here today, uh, there's a team of people, the communion uh, people who served, as well as some other volunteers, myself, will be down here to pray for you, to pray with you. Come forward. I said it in the sermon. If you need help, come, ask for help. We'll, we'll pray over you. Secondly, second, second, we have, uh, if you're new or newish, in fact, the song we're singing right now, if you've never heard that song before, that's maybe because you're new, because it's a Manitou original song. It's a song uh, the band and my wife, Erica, wrote, and we've put it on an album. We've recorded it. So if you're new, we would love to give you this album, and uh, we have it for you. So fill out a visitor card or do the QR thing and just tell them you did that, and we have a gift for you. We'd love to give you that as a gift. Uh, third, we have a volunteer team. And the volunteer team, there's lots of opportunities to serve. We have a children's ministry that always has opportunities to serve downstairs. Just go down there and uh, see how we do things, especially today. Be a great day to just go down and see the space down there and see what happens is a legitimate church happening downstairs. It's not just kids getting babysat. It's kids being raised up into the kingdom of God. Uh, this this week, uh, we have 633, which is our high school ministry, right here at 6.33 p.m. It's based off of uh, Matthew 6.33. You gotta look up that verse, but it's our ministry for high schoolers right here. Uh, in a couple of weeks, we're gonna have an information meeting on a mission trip going to Ecuador in October. And so uh, March 3rd, we'll have an after church meeting about uh, giving you more information, but put that on your, if you're like, oh, I wanna go on missions. Um, after church on the 3rd of March. Uh, what else do we have here? Uh, Tuesday, I already mentioned this as well. Right here, 6.30, we have a worship night, 6.30 to 7.30, a family service, extended time of worship. Our men's ministry is meeting on Thursdays. Uh, it's every second and fourth Thursday. We're gonna go up to New Life North, which they have a conference this Thursday. So we're gonna have tables at New Life North uh, for Manitou and at 6.30. And if you're like, wow, this is a lot of stuff, it's all online. And uh, our men's ministry, we have a text feed. And so if you wanna get on that, men, uh, go to the back and sign up for a text feed. Your last announcement is the easiest one I've made all day. It's our seventh birthday anniversary. And so we have cupcakes. So go get your kids first and then come up and eat the cupcakes. 
let me pray a blessing over you. Would you hold out your hands if you want to receive this blessing? It's just a sign that you're wanting the Lord to bless you. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you, be gracious to you. May the Lord lift his countenance upon you and give you peace. In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, amen. Go in peace.